William Randolph Hearst spent a fortune collecting art treasure all around the world. Millions and millions and millions of dollars. One day he found a description of a piece of art that he wanted for his collection. And he felt that he must own it. So he contacted his agent who secured and bought and sought and looked for all these fantastic, expensive art treasures in his house. After months of searching, his agent got back to him and finally reported that he finally found the treasure that William Hearst was looking for. They were already in Mr. Hearst's warehouse. The very thing that he wanted this treasure that he was willing to spend millions of dollars for was already in his warehouse. The treasure that he was hoping he could possess and own and have was already in his possession. We're not different in many ways than William Hurst. It's probably a name you've never heard of. We're not different because there are things that we try to possess and own and have and cure and even buy and put into our own warehouses. And yet there's one treasure that is worth way more than all those treasures that already lives in our house that we forget that's there and we go on this search to try and find something that's comparable to that. And that promise or that gift that God gave us and promised to us is the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about that for a second. Children, youth, and adults. God lives in you. Think about that again. God of the universe lives in you. There's nothing more valuable (laughs) than God himself. Yet we live as though this treasure is not in our warehouse. And we go on this search for trying to find this new goal, trying to find this new achievement, this new high, this new possession, this new vacation. And we go on this hunt and the very thing that is worth more than anything already lives in us. And he is ours. (laughs) When Jesus was about to ascend after spending time on earth, death, burial, resurrection, roughly 30 plus years, he was about to leave and go back and be seated with his father in heaven. He had this last conversation with those that were there with him and with his disciples. And he said this, I'm going to leave you this gift. In fact, it's a promise from me that I will leave behind, even though I'm gone, someone that will, that will live in you, and this promised gift is the Holy Spirit, and he is God, and you will be able to do greater things than I have done because of him living in you. How should that change the way you live? Like, how should that change the way you worship today? Did you have a line in your lungs when you worship today? Did you wake up today with the recognition that God lives in you? 
that you don't have to go through this day all by yourself and figure it out on your own, but every plan, every thought, every achievement that you'll ever work towards, God himself is with you and will battle for you. The Bible gives definitions and examples of the Holy Spirit, but just listen to how he's referred to in the the Bible. He's referred to as God in Acts chapter 5 and verses 3 to 4. He's third in the order of the triune Godhood, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in Matthew 28, 19. The Bible says he has emotion, he has personhood in Romans 15, 30. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 to 12, that he has intelligence, the Holy Spirit, he has intelligence. The Bible says that he is a person. The Bible says he is a he and not an it. In John chapter 15 and verse 26, it's a demonstrative pronoun. The Bible says it's a masculine, he is a masculine relative pronoun in Ephesians 1.14. And the Bible says that he is spirit and he lives in those of us who know him and have a personal relationship with him. Turn to Acts chapter 1 and let's just take a look at this incredible gift, this promise that God has promised to bless us with. And of all the promises we're looking at, this one is as good as it gets. And I would say put it at the top of the list. Look at Acts chapter 1 and look at verses 4 to 8. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read verses 4 to 8, Acts chapter 1. This book is written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by Luke. And he's referring to the, the Acts of the Apostles. But before Jesus left, he's about to leave to be ascended into heaven. This, this conversation by Jesus himself right before he leaves, and he says this in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Would you read it with me, please? Ready, read. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Read verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. You may have a seat. This promise we're looking at today is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in John 14, when Jesus said, when I leave, I'll leave behind the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he will, because he lives in you, you will be able to do greater things than I have done. I want to show you what I would say are five hats or five roles or that, that he wears or five functions of the Holy Spirit. If you're a note taker, this would be great information because you can walk out of here with, wow, He lives in me, and this is what he does for me, and this is who I am with him. And and the first one I would say is this. The Holy Spirit is watching out for us. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to use our Bibles. We're going to turn a lot of pages today, so be ready to go. But turn to Genesis, first book of the Old Testament. First time we see the appearance of the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1.1 we're familiar with. In the beginning, God created the heavens of the earth. And then in verse 2. Now the earth was what? What's it say? Formless and what? Empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. 
And the what of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God. So the first glimpse of the Holy Spirit was him in the Old Testament before the creation of the world. He was, the Spirit was hovering over the darkness, over the form before God spoke and earth was created. He was there and he was hovering. The text says hovering over a formless earth. The role of the Holy Spirit is unique in the Old Testament and unique in the New Testament. But the word hovering literally means to flutter. It means to hang around, keeping a constant eye on things, just as a bird protects its brood or its babies. Hovering also has has a time and space concept wrapped around it. Time is right before and right after. Space in front and space in back. Literally, he protects as a mother bird, a mother bird protects her babies. I was mowing this summer, earlier this summer, and we have a large pine tree in our front yard. And I was taking our riding mower around this tree, and my elbow hit the tree, and a bird's nest fell out, and out was fell this baby robin. And it started squawking and squawking and squawking and squawking, and it fell out and was trying to walk away. In a matter of seconds, mama bird came after me, dove down after me. I was ducking on the mower and I said, I'm just going to drive away. But as I drove away, the bird kept coming after me. I mean, dive bombing, literally to the point where I had to say, okay, I won't mow the front grass. It won't happen. I'll wait till the little baby bird makes its way to the alfalfa field. It's this picture of hovering, watching out and protecting Even from the beginning, Genesis 1-2, the picture of the Holy Spirit. He is hovering there, waiting to protect. We take the living God with us wherever we go, and he is watching out for us like a mama bird does for her babies. You won't leave him behind today. In fact, when you came to the worship service here, he came with you. When you got up this morning, he was with you. I want you to process that for a second and try to just ask, Holy Spirit, help me understand it. This morning when I was praying, it was unique. I said, Holy Spirit, help me to talk about you, Holy Spirit. Help me do it in such a way that we can walk away empowered in a fresh way. But picture, if you can, this thought that he is with you. You're never alone. God lives in you. All the attributes, qualities, powers of the Godhead live in you and me. That should change the way you live and I live. We should function differently knowing that the Holy Spirit is in us. He doesn't close at 8 p.m. He's always available. We have access. We don't have to walk across the street. We don't have to run up a mountain. We just say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, protect me. And he hovers and he protects. The second role of the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit supernaturally empowers us. Look at Judges chapter 13 and verse 25. Judges, we'll just give you an Old Testament example here. There's many in the New Testament. Just look at the story of Samson in the Old Testament. Judges chapter 13 and verse 25. Look what it says in verse 13 and verse 25. It says, he grew and the Lord blessed him. Verse 25, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. While he was in Mahana, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtael. Look at Judges chapter 14 and verse 6. Read on. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. 
so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands and he might have tor- as he torn a young goat. But he did, told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. By the way, that's an interesting story to me. Can you imagine being out, taking a walk, your kid, you're out walking around, and a lion comes up, and you just take your hands, and you don't go back and tell your mom and dad. Come on. He didn't tell anyone. Like, the Spirit of God came upon him. He supernaturally empowered him, and he tore this lion to shreds. Look at chapter 15 and verse 14. Samson, as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him, shouting, the Spirit of the Lord came upon powerfully upon him the ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped from his hands they tied him up and he just snapped the charred rope turned him into nothing look at chapter 16 and verse 20 but watch what happens when the spirit of the lord leaves him chapter 16 and verse 20 says he then she called samson delilah did the philistines are upon you he awoke from his sleep and thought I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord or the Spirit had left him. Supernatural power being brought upon him. We, New Testament, we can see where Peter spoke a 10-minute message and he gave the invitation. 3,000 people were saved. That's because God supernaturally walked in in his life and moved in that moment. And it says daily 5,000 were added to the number of new believers. But there is this phrase in Scripture that says, be filled with the Spirit. It's an interesting phrase, and we need to dig into it to understand it completely as Christ followers. Because when we're filled with the Spirit, we're able to do supernatural things that we couldn't do on our own. In fact, let me show you what I mean. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Galatians, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. This is Paul writing, and he's encouraging us. He says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Let me just break this down and help you understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. This is not a helpful add-on to your life or something you shoot for down the road. It is a command that's listed here. It's in the imperative mood. In other words, it's not an option. It means now, not tomorrow. It's in the plural form too, not just to be an, to an individual, but to everyone. And it's not given to super saints or spiritual giants. It is given this moment. He is given, he fills us, and it's for everyone. It's in the passive voice too in this, this phrase here in, the, in this passage. It means the object has something acting upon it from the outside. The object us has the spirit acting upon us filling us. In other words, we can't fill ourselves. We put ourselves in the position where the Spirit of God fills us. So there are moments in your life, in my life, where we are supernaturally filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an instantaneous moment. It's after we saturate ourselves in God's Word. It's time spent with Him. And there's moments and times where He supernaturally fills us. Let me give you an example here. These are what you would call thunder sticks. They don't look very thunderous right now. But if you were to fill these with air, 
they would operate to the form or the function that they were designed to be. So if these were to operate the way they're supposed to and be thunder sticks, you fill them with air. I forgot how hard these are to blow up. We blew up 500 of these one night, and I think we all died later. We're back, though. We're back. (laughs) These are what you call thunder sticks. In order for them to function the way they're supposed to, you fill them with air. Otherwise, they're just limp reservoirs that could be thunder sticks. You see, when they have air in them, they operate and they're loud, aren't they? That's much like we are. Until we're filled with the Spirit, we can't be thunderous. We can't do what God intended us to do. Many of us, have, we, have, we have the possibility to be filled. But we have to position ourselves in such a way that the Spirit is willing to fill us so that we can, listen to me, can live to our redemptive potential. Some of us don't live to our redemptive potential because we haven't opened ourselves up, we haven't positioned ourselves, we haven't prepared our hearts to be filled with the Spirit. And Paul says in Ephesians 5.18 that we have these moments in time when we are, we have an unusual advantage. In fact, the Spirit gives you an unfair advantage. I don't think we think about that enough. Let me give you an example. At our county fair, Elkhart County Fair, we have three-on-three basketball in the summertime, and they have different age groups. But suppose, for sake of illustration, you and I, I went because I'm 30 and older, and I'm going to form a team. So I go to the fair with an unfair advantage. Suppose next summer I roll around, and I walk into the fair, and I'm ready to play. And they'll go, that's just Jim. He's 58. We'll tear him up. Holy cow. <laughs> Crepit knees. Can't even shoot anymore. Can't even play D. I'll go right by him. But suppose I bring with me Kevin Durant and LeBron James. And I'm walking into the three-on-three tournament at the fair. What's going to happen? I have an unfair advantage at the fair. They're not looking at me and thinking, they're thinking, there's no way we're going to win because he has an unfair advantage. LeBron James and Kevin Durant on three on three, we're done. Not because of me, but because of those two operating with me. It's the same for you and me. We have an unfair advantage. Today, when you got up, whether you realize it or not, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're not something special because of you. You're something special because of him. And when he operates through you, you can walk in victory because he is with you. You see, when Jesus left, he gave us the power to be his witnesses. The Bible describes what the Spirit of God is able to do for us. And listen to this list. You don't need to write these down, but just ask later for the Holy Spirit to remind you of these. He governs your mind, it says in Romans 8, 5 to 6. He sanctifies you in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. He helps strengthen and empower you in Romans 8, 26. 
He sustains hope in you. Romans 15, 13. By the way, let's just pause there. One of the ways you can see whether someone is walking in the Spirit if this hope just flows, overflows over them and out of them. Why? How do you know that, Pastor Jim? Because the Spirit of God in Romans 15, 13 sustains hope in us. That means when the world looks hopeless and when everything looks hopeless, you and I can stand in a hopeless situation sustained by the hope of the Spirit that says, we're going to make it because God is with us. I love watching for people that are walking in the Spirit because in the hardest of hardest times, they stand up, sustained, held up in hope because God is with them. The Spirit enables you to know and understand, John 14, 26, things you could never understand and know on your own. Students don't use that for math tests, though. In Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 27, says the, the Spirit reveals God's plans for you. The Spirit also makes it possible for you to speak truth. Mark 13 and verse 11 The Spirit also safeguards your spiritual freedom in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. It's a beautiful picture. So when Jesus left, he left us the Spirit of God. The third role of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, the promise of the Holy Spirit is this. The Spirit of God supernaturally gifts us. Often we go to turn to Corinthians, turn to Corinthians to see what the gifts are. Let's go to the Old Testament and see how the Spirit of God supernaturally gifts you. It's one of my favorite passages on gifting and talents that the Holy Spirit does for us. Turn to Exodus chapter 31, and look at verses 1 through 5. Exodus 31, verses 1 to 5. Follow along with me. It says, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, And I have filled him with the what of God? The spirit of God. Then he says, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of what? What's it say? Skills. Holy Spirit skills us, gifts us. And then he says, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. To cut and set stones. He makes, he makes masons. He makes artists. To work in wood. Carpenters. He skills. And to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed, he said, even the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. So here's the picture. Not only is the Holy Spirit give us the gift of evangelism and the gifts that are listed in Corinthians, but he gives you skilled gifts to build houses. He gives you skilled gifts to be a welder. He gives you skilled gifts to run a business. He gives you skilled gifts to drive a truck. He gives you skilled gifts to sew. He gives you skilled gifts to paint. He gives you artistic and music skill. The Holy Spirit skills us, gives us those incredible gifts to live out life like he wants us to. The Spirit helps us do something better than we could do it on our own. I love this passage because this verse gives, or these verses give credence to the fact that he has gifted people for the marketplace. We should be a notch above. 
I'm not saying that in an arrogant way or even in a cocky way. But if you are a Christ follower and you are a carpenter, if you are a Christ follower and you are an artist, if you are a Christ follower and you are a musician, you are a Christ follower and you are a principal, if you are a Christ follower and you are a counselor, you have an unfair advantage because the Holy Spirit has skilled, has lives in you, and he can do for you what others can't do for you who don't know God. I don't know if you tap into that, though. Part of it is, like when I, when I went out to preach this morning, I was, Lord, help me, God. I don't want to go out and preach a message. It's just Jim. Holy Spirit, help me talk about you, the Holy Spirit. He loves helping us. And so even in your marketplace job, last time you typed, did you pray? Help me type well, Holy Spirit. I have this unusual advantage that lives in me. Help me be a, a better mom. Help me be a better dad. Help me be a better son and daughter. Help me be a better student. Holy Spirit, he'll, even when it comes, we have an advantage when it comes to healing. Holy Spirit, you live in me. I have an advantage. You, Jesus, you're the great physician. Would you bring healing? We have resources in our warehouses that those that aren't saved don't have. Let's use them. Man, if you really understood the benefit of the Holy Spirit, you would live differently. It's an incredible advantage that we have. Some of you right now have the gift of skepticism. Does the Holy Spirit still give that kind of information today? Holy Spirit sounds spooky, especially when someone says the Holy Ghost. All I can think of is Casper. Doesn't seem very powerful. You see, the very thing that makes us feel awkward about the Holy Spirit is the very thing we should love about him. Because he is unique, and he is all-powerful, and he is God, and he lives in us, and he informs us, and he guides us, and he leads us, and he hovers over us, and he supernaturally can fill us to do things that we could never do on our own. Man, this incredible gift that God has left us. Often in the business world, there's this phrase that's used called the Joseph factor. Well, they got, he's got the Joseph factor or the Joseph favor. And the Joseph factor is wherever Joseph went, didn't matter if he was in prison, he would get elevated and soon he was in charge. And everything got turned around. And so everywhere Joseph went, it got turned around. It's called the Joseph factor. Like he had the blessing of God on his life and somehow whatever he touched, it didn't matter if he was on the, literally on death row, he eventually was run into prison. But you and I have what we would call the X factor, the Holy Spirit factor. And everywhere we go, we have the Holy Spirit with us. We have an unfair advantage. We aren't limited by our own abilities. That's good news for us today. You plus the Holy Spirit is a majority. Now let me just ask you something. If you're walking into the fair next year and you're going to the 3-on-3 basketball tournament and you were walking in by yourself and your other guys hadn't shown up, you would walk in. Hey, I'm ready to play. What if you were able to walk in with Kevin Durant 
and LeBron James. How would you walk him? Why? Because you've got an unfair advantage, don't you? Why? Because you know you're going to win. And when you got up this morning, guess what? You didn't walk to the kitchen by yourself. You walked in with the Holy Spirit. He is your unfair advantage. So when you compete, listen, listen to me. I don't care what you're competing in. You're not by yourself. You stand beside someone that wants to beat you. They're limited to themselves. You got the Holy Spirit, God of the universe with you. It's like, you know who I got on my team? Boy, if we believed that and walked in that, God would get so much more glory. And the reason we have him is so that we can be mirrors of the greatness of God. Oh, man. Did you feel that way this morning? Some of you were up late last night. I can tell. Labor Day weekend, people were tired. (laughs) Got to go to church. Holy cow. (laughs) Fourth role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of things we are prone to forget. Oh, praise God. As I age, praise God. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. I love this one. Look at John chapter 14 and verse 26. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of things we are prone to forget. Look at John chapter 14 and verse 26. John 14 and verse 26. These were Jesus' words. This passage is about the promise of the Holy Spirit When he's leaving, he'll come back and get us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says this in verse 25 and 26. All this I have spoken while still with you. Then he says, but the advocate, some translations have the counselor, the what? Who is it? Holy Spirit, whom the Father will what? What does it say? Send in my name will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I love that. Think about that for a second. God, the Holy Spirit, reminds us of all the things that Jesus said in the word of God. Don't we need reminded of that often? <laughs> like, like Jesus said many things to us that we need to remind ourselves of. In this world, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. We need reminded of that. The word advocate or counselor that's listed here, who who is the descriptor of the Holy Spirit, is the Greek word paraclete. This word can be described as two Roman soldiers back-to-back holding swords. So he is the advocate, he's the paraclete, he's the counselor. He guards, he guides, he protects, he gives insight. He says, hey, this is coming, watch out, look to your left, look to your right. We can get insight, two Roman soldiers back to back covering our sixes. It's a picture of this counselor full of wisdom. He can see all things, giving us what's about to come, what took place, and how to get through this situation. He is a counselor to us. He is a teacher to us. 
the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And he would tell us what to do and say. He teaches and tells us what to do. The Holy Spirit will not stop us when we choose our will over his will because we have a free will either. He could remind us and tell us, hey, Jim, this is what you ought to do. Holy Spirit, what should I do? This is what you ought to do. Have people come to me, and I look at them, and I ask them, the Holy Spirit, give me counsel, and I tell them, this is what I would do if I were you. They still have a choice whether or not they'll do it because they have a free will. But the Holy Spirit will constantly speak truth to us, constantly speak truth. This is the way. In fact, whether I turn to my right or my left, my ears will hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk in. That's the Holy Spirit telling us what to do. We must be very careful, though, that with that phrase. Because the truth is, the Holy Spirit does remind us of everything that Jesus said, but sometimes we say things like this. God told me to tell you this, and this is what you ought to do. Have you ever had somebody come up to you like that? They'll come up to you and say, well, you know, Pastor Jim, this is what I believe the Holy Spirit has told me. This is what you should do. And you know what I say? Through the years and through many, 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 many opportunities for that, I often say, I believe the Holy Spirit works in unity. And I believe the Holy Spirit, our God, is not a divisive God. And if our God wants me to do that, then the same Holy Spirit that told you that can tell me that. And if I hear that from him, then I will agree with him and then turn agree with you. But I'm not doing that because you told me that and had pizza last night. I'm doing that because I'm doing it because the Spirit told me. And so what I do, I surrender my will. And often I go, Lord, I've heard this information. I want to hear from you. I want to be obedient. I want you to speak to me. Is this the direction you have for me as I lead grace? Is this direction as I lead my family? Holy Spirit, show me. And in that moment, if he does, then we're united together. But listen to me. Be very, very, very careful to say, this is what God told me to tell you what to do. The wrath of God could fall on you if you are speaking from pizza and not the Holy Spirit. I never want to speak on behalf of the Holy Spirit unless it is the Holy Spirit. I also want to be sensitive to what other people, because God uses people. But it's scary ground to walk on. And when you begin to speak for God, the Holy Spirit, and misrepresent his voice, that is called sin. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He fires our synapses of our brains. He helps us to jog our memories, and he jogs our imaginations. And it normally happens when we're in the Word. <laughs> And we spent time with him. God has given you and I a dynamic duo. The Holy Bible and the Holy Spirit. And if you spend time with both of them, you will make holy decisions. It's an incredible, incredible, incredible blessing and gift from him. I would say it this way. The Holy Spirit gives us an unfair advantage. We are limited to five senses as human beings. But the Holy Spirit is our sixth sense. He gives us an advantage that non-believers don't have. Fifthly, another role of the Holy Spirit. He works overtime on our behalf. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Let me show you what I mean. Romans chapter 8. Look how he works on our behalf. Overtime, I would say. 
Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 to 27. Paul said these things in regards to the Holy Spirit. It also shows the tender side of God the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. He helps us in our weakness. He intercedes for us. He speaks and prays for us when we're at a loss for words. Ever been there? You've had a situation? How many times have you been? I've been there many, many times. God, but I don't even know how to pray about this. I don't even know how to pray for them. God, it's so big and so much over my head. I'm not sure how I should pray, but Holy Spirit, would you intercede on my behalf? And the Bible says he groans and utters on our behalf. And his will is accomplished for us. Think about this for a second. Not only does the Holy Spirit pray for you, but my Bible and your Bible says that Jesus intercedes for us too. Think about this. Every day of your life, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. When you think you can't make it, just picture Jesus is praying. The Holy Spirit is praying. We can make it. The factual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You can't get any more fervent and any more righteous or effective than God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit going to God the Father and praying on our behalf. And when they pray, nothing is more righteous than those prayers for us. There have been times when I I just pull away and I wonder how am I going to walk through this? And I think, Jesus is praying, I can make it. The Holy Spirit is praying, I'm going to make it. That should be your posture too when you walk through hardships. While you slept last night and were restless with all your concerns, the Holy Spirit was interceding and groaning for you. He gives us the chance to live beyond our human ability. You and I are far more dangerous than we choose to be. Why? Because the greatest treasure known to mankind lives in our house. You don't have to go searching and send an agent looking for anything more because he already lives in you. Oh man, it's powerful. But let's pull away. Pastor Jim, we have all this, then why do we just, why why is everyone just tanking and why is everyone just looking miserable and why is everyone fearful and what? If that's true and God lives in us, then Look at the Christian world. Why, aren't, why isn't it exploding like the church of Acts? And why aren't 5,000 people getting saved in minutes? And why aren't we seeing the miracles like we've seen in the Bible? Why, why don't we see the joy that's permeating the midst of hardship? Why don't we see people walking into fiery furnaces? And why don't we see people walking out of lion's dens? Because the Bible says this in Ephesians 4.30, that you and I can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 that we can quench the Holy Spirit. And here's what happens. This vessel that we have called the human body, 
has God, the Spirit, living in us. And there are moments in time when we are filled with the Spirit, when we positioned ourselves, cleaned our hearts, spent time in his word, humbled ourselves, repented of our sins, that he fills us. But when we're walking in sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit and we literally quench the Spirit. We cut off the ability for him to fill us up. And what happens is you see a Christian living way, way, way below their redemptive potential. And when you live way below your redemptive potential, what you've done, you've cut off the chance. You've quenched the Spirit's chance to fill you and for you to be used by God in supernatural ways. And so you're no longer a thunder stick. You're a wimpy stick. And I can't tell you how many Christians look just like this when we could be like this. Let me ask you a question. What's the picture of your life like in this pandemic? Are you standing in the middle of it, thriving because God lives in you? Or are you letting all the outside forces of the enemy cause you to believe all these lies and you haven't positioned yourself to be a thunder stick for Jesus? By the way, I don't care what you're doing. I'm going for this. (laughs) Too much is at stake. And by the way, the Holy Spirit has nothing to do. I've seen children six, seven years old, have more joy than someone who has known Christ for 50 years. I've heard words come from children out of the mouth of children, out of babes that has set me back like, wow, where'd that come from? And you know why that is? Because that child is saved and the same Holy Spirit that is in me as a 58-year-old is in an eight-year-old and there's no JV version of the Holy Spirit. There's a varsity only. And so God lives in them too. Let me pull away. How do you know when it is the Holy Spirit when it comes to decision making? It's a good question to ask. How do you know if you're hearing from the Holy Spirit or just not your own mind speaking to yourself? Let me just share some personal practices. These aren't infallible, but this is how I try to respond to a prompting that I want to discern if it's the Holy Spirit asking me to do this or, or go in this direction. And there are many decisions that are on ananized plates all the time. And, and, and we're, we're, we're trying to discern and see, Lord, is this what you want us to do? And so this is my personal experience. And this is what I do. These are the filters that I use to try to hear the Spirit's voice. Let me just walk through them. If an uneasy or apprehensive feeling comes, then I hit the pause button. Like if a decision comes and, and like I'm kind of apprehensive, there's a difference between apprehensive and uneasy. Is it, is it like, whoa, 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 whoa. If there's apprehension on my behalf, I hit the pause button. Then I ask this, does this prompting line up with God's word and God's character? So I'll go back and say, I feel like this is what you're telling me to do, Holy Spirit. Is it, is it line up with your character? Can I find it in the Bible? Does it line up with the truths of the Bible? So I hold it up against the word of God. 
then I'll do this. Do I have an inner peace and confidence even though I don't know all the details of this step? Does peace come in the midst of this, this unknown time like, wow, there's unusual peace. Even though I can't see what that second step is, I know what that first step is. And even though it's not all clear, if there's peace within my heart, then I know it's from the Spirit. More than ever, this is the one that, that I'll just hit the brakes on. Here it is. This is my experience. Do I feel yucky, a nauseous feeling in my gut when considering this step? I can't tell you how many times, this is how the Spirit, I've learned to try to understand the Spirit and His prompting. If there's this, I get nauseous, almost nauseous, like the Spirit is saying, Jim, don't. And if it's yucky, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I back up, say, no, it's not the time nor the direction right now. Another one, filter. Does it keep coming back to me over and over again until I deal with it? You ever had that one? Text that person, text that person, call that person. Go there, walk across the street, go do that. And if it keeps coming back and I ignore, ignore, and it just keeps coming, all right. Another filter for me. Did it happen in a similar way it did before? I would say this. I don't know where your zone is, where you hear from God. I love reading God's word, and then I enjoy going for a run. This is my experience. I don't run with any noise. I don't run with any music. I don't run with any podcast. All day long I hear information. I don't want any more information. I just want to, I want to be in tune with God. So when I'm running... I can't tell you how many times that I'm running in the creation, God's creation. I get away from traffic. I'm out in the woods. I'm on trails. That's why I run. That's what works for me. When I get out there, I can't tell you how many times God speaks through me, through the Holy Spirit. And I can't tell you how many times I've come back and Ann said, all right, what did he tell you today? (laughs) Find your place that's distraction-free. Listen, Throw down your podcast. Throw down your music. Get clear in a place where it's quiet before God so that you can hear him. Two more. If it just seems too complicated and I can't seem to clear the fog and I almost get to a point of total frustration, then for me, he's saying no. It's like, I, it seems okay, but that, that one step, like that, I just can't get by it. And the last one is where I always end up. And it's a good one. Does it require a holy boldness and an unusual step of faith? (laughs) And if it does, and I went through all those, okay, God, here we go. I don't know what the next step is, but I trust you. And listen, I'm going to look really stupid here, and I might get a couple emails for this. They might tell me that I'm doing this to our church. But God, I went through all this. I've heard from you. I held it against God's word. Here we go. Come on, Spirit. I'm going with you. It's a great place to be, and I'll close with this thought. There are only some things God can teach you on the other side of yes. And most Christians spend their entire lives on the wrong side of yes. Fearful, afraid. And when you take that bold step of faith after discerning it was from God, there are only some things he can teach you on the other side. And I want to spend my life on the other side of faith yes steps because there is where I learn the most.
God, help us. I pray that we would be people who recognize who we are. And as I think through these lists of promises that you've promised us, and I think of where our world is at right now, more than ever, we need to be reminded that God, the Holy Spirit, you are with us. We have an unfair advantage. And the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, from the dead, lives in us. And he longs to guide us, instruct us, and counsel us. So God, I pray that this week it would be different. I pray when we leave this auditorium that we would be reminded daily of all the things that Jesus said. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll keep coming after us. And we thank you that you are willing (laughs) to live in us, to save us, to sanctify us, to govern us, to prompt us, to convict us, to teach us. We are gifted with this incredible promise of you. In Jesus' name, amen.